Welcome back to another episode of the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Willard, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Mike Rigglesworth and Bradley, your favorite person, the man with no last name across the way, across the table, on the board. Across the way. Across the way. Across the way, way across the table. So how are you guys mm-hmm. doing today? Good. And it's Dr. Dr. Ryan Willard. It is. It is. It's, it's officially done. As of this recording. What's up, Doc? just became official. Officially done. Hairline. It's still going, let's be honest. It's, it's not stopping after the work's done. No, it continues. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But we have... It gets worse when you have children. Oh, great. Yeah. great. So just, just forewarning. Well, let us actually talk about the coffee that we are drinking. Yes. There's the music. I forgot which one it was. There, we're back with the music. <laughs> Ooh. It's good music. It is. So it's today been a while. we been are a while drinking, we've had this on the podcast before, a coffee called Strangely Warmed. Strangely warm, Mike. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this coffee? Strangely warmed. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the coffee itself. I believe it is um, the the company that puts this out is in I want to say Pennsylvania. Don't quote me on that. But the title, strangely warmed. If you are into church history, things like that, uh, it is uh, pulled directly from a quote of John Wesley. So John Wesley uh, heard a a reading of Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans at Aldersgate. And and he found his heart strangely warmed. Like he had this spiritual experience and he was forever changed uh, by that encounter. And that's what, it's kind of the impetus behind uh, John Wesley's, um, the Methodist movement that he spearheaded. So yeah, that's, that's the, it's the very short, yeah, I'm looking short at version. I'm looking at their website right now. You can order online, obviously. You can get organic, you can get regular flavors, light, dark. You can get cake cups Ooh, as well. I didn't know that. And if you want to check them out, go to strangelywarmed.com. Strangelywarmed.com. Yep. So for today's episode, we're gonna toss it straight back over to Mike again to inform our listening family a little information about what is happening in his life at yeah, this moment. So I believe it's already public now, by the time you'll hear this episode, that my wife and I, were expecting our third, right? So a little bit of backstory on that. Um, our son, um, our, our second, he was born in, uh, in June of 2021. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand the, the female body. I never will completely. <laughs> but... But it's it takes next podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're gonna, gonna dive get, into we're, that. We're gonna get into that later. How dare but, you? <laughs> but uh, essentially, it takes about a year for things to get regular, for the cycle to come back to to normal. Yeah. Well, it'd been well over a year since it, that had happened with my my wife, and when it did come back, her cycles were all over the place. And there's this thing called a luteal phase. Mm. So a luteal phase is that window where you can get get pregnant, right? Where women can get pregnant. Um, so her luteal phase it has to be like between seven to ten days for um, you know for that to happen, right? Um, hers were like five six days. Hmm. She's like, okay, there's no way I'm getting getting pregnant. Well, sure enough, uh, I'm doing dishes one day. I get a text from my wife, and it's a picture of the strip with the two lines on it. I thought it was a COVID test. 
to be honest. <laughs> and I asked her, what is this? And she looked at me and she said, what do you think it is? And so she is now, you know, she's pregnant. And at the time of this recording, uh, she is about 21, 22 weeks okay. along. So we're a little bit over that, the halfway point. Now, in December, uh, middle of December, uh, we went to get the ultrasound and find out the gender of the baby. Because we, right. you know, it's the third. We've we've done this twice before. It's not as exciting. So we wanted to do a gender reveal party to find out the gender and, you know, pop a balloon and confetti goes everywhere, that sort of thing. Uh, what we weren't expecting is what we found out when we had the ultrasound. This was very much a shock to us uh, and a shock to the people who, who initially heard this. Now, this is generally public. Um, what we found out with the ultrasound is that um, our our baby, it's a boy, uh, he has what's called a hypoplastic left heart. And um, and essentially what that is, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of biological stuff that I'm not going to be able to explain. Yeah, a lot very of scientific well, but, nuance, yeah. But but generally the the left side of the heart as well as the aorta are underdeveloped, mm-hmm. like severely underdeveloped. And the left chamber is the chamber that pumps oxygenated blood out to the rest of the body. Mm. So you could a baby can have what's called a hypoplastic right heart, which isn't as severe because that's that's deoxygenated blood. That's that's blue blood. Right. But this is this is the the chamber that pumps out the the like the lighter colored blood, the red right. blood or pink blood out to the rest of the body. So that's a problem. Yeah. Is there a reason um, why that would have formed like that? Or is um there like a the, there's there's really I, I don't know okay um we had genetic testing done just because we wanted to find out if there are other issues mm. like some people have genetic testing to abort the baby right that was not why we were doing that right but if there are other underlying issues that cause this we want to know about it right um but there are no other issues it's just this just this okay. just this and there's no family history of of heart defects uh, heart issues on my side or on uh, my wife Bethany's side so we're just like we have no idea what this is. Mm. Uh, we have no idea what caused this, and this is this is a remarkably rare uh, uh, syndrome. Yeah, it is one in thirty eight hundred odds. Jeez, one in thirty eight hundred. So, yeah, we heard this news. Obviously, it was a it was a shock to us. We kind of like when we found out they you know they pull us into another room and they you know the doctor walked us through everything, and then right. as soon as she left, we just like crumbled. Um, so. We've just, you know, we're sharing this because we want to process this, um, you know, allow our listeners to, to process this and let us, let you know, like, this is what we're going through. This is what we're experiencing right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a ton of additional uh, commentary, but we did want to let our, our listening base know. So, hey, like, if you are a praying person, <laughs> be be praying for us because right. there's a there's a lot of stuff that... That goes into this. Yeah, this um, isn't just like yeah. Hopefully, he's born. This is years of of a process, right? So yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, so once he's once he's born, so he's going to be delivered in Rochester, which is about an hour outside of Buffalo, and there there are really good. There's a really good pediatric hospital there called Strong's. Oh yeah, and they specialize in, um, you know, pediatric care. Uh, really good pediatric care uh, for for newborns, and um, so altogether there'll be three surgeries that our son will have to undergo. Uh, the first one, um, what what will essentially happen is they're going to 
Uh, it's going to be within the first two weeks, so between three to ten days. Um, whenever the available the, the surgeon who's going to do the surgery is available, that's when he's going to go in. Um, it's the most important surgery. It's the most complicated one. It's also the most also the most dangerous one because right. it's so early on yeah. in the child's development. So if he gets out of that surgery and he recovers from it, okay, we're pretty much in the clear. Okay, for the most part, um, in the sense that you know most of the risk is gone. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the second surgery is going to happen between four to 12 months, probably around six months, depending on how long it takes for him to get um, enough strength to have the last surgery. So the longer they can wait, um, the better, because then he can hold a, get his strength to, to right. have the surgery. Right. So we'll have that second surgery before he's one, definitely before he's one year old. And the third surgery, there's a third one. That's going to happen before his fifth birthday. Yeah. So once those surgeries are done, uh, for for the most part, he'll be he'll be a relatively normal kid. And, and essentially, what they have to do with this this surgery, these three surgeries, is they have to turn a two ventricle system into a one ventricle system. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they don't they don't replace they don't replace anything per se. But they they reroute the plumbing, <laughs> right? So that it's it's so functioning. They like, so they do they take the right ventricle and like cut it in half, basically? Yeah, they they reroute everything. I, I can't explain so everything crazy. that they do. They even take a vein from somewhere else in the baby's body and they put it in the heart. Like it's amazing what they do. Um, you know, you need a you need a doctor who specializes in that to really give you all the detailed information. Yeah, uh, and somehow like the. Oxygenated blood and deoxygenated blood, they typically stay separate, but in this case, they don't. Like they just, it mixes together in the heart and the mm. body is able to work with that somehow. Mm. Uh, the problem is when you have oxygenated and deoxygenated blood, you get winded quicker. Yeah. Right. So he won't be able to be a, a track star. He won't be able to play contact sports like football just because there's so much risk. Yeah. So anything that involves contact or anything that involves high endurance, uh, he's not going to be able to do. Maybe a little brilliant which, scholar coming out of him. Right, yeah. right. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. Uh, but surprisingly, there are there are kids that have this surgery. They go on to play sports. And, you know, there's there's one patient of the, the doctor that we saw. He said, I have patients that go on to play basketball, hmm. like in high school. Like, you know, stuff that's that's physically, you know, somewhat demanding. But yeah. you're you're able to function pretty well on – you know, after these th- surgeries are done. Now, it's a little bit scary because they did say there is a possibility, depending, that somewhere along the way he would need a heart transplant. And like the doctor said, hey, we want to avoid that. Right. Because you're basically trading one problem for another. Because when you put a new heart in, there's yeah. Im- issues with the immune system. You have to take Im- immunosuppressants. You're more prone to get sick. Yeah. Because your body basically thinks it's. It's trying to kill the new heart to some extent. Yeah, pretty much. Because I think it's like this foreign object in the yeah. body, so let's get rid yeah. of it. Yeah, and so when yeah. the babies, let's jump back to the birth. So um, my wife is due end of, well, beginning of May, but she's going to deliver the baby a little bit early. Um, so it's going to be more towards the end of April. We delivered, and uh, the surgery It's all going to be in the same spot, so we don't have to worry about that. And um, what they do is they give the baby this medication to trick him 
into thinking that he's still in the womb. His body in, into into his, it, let me just rephrase that a little bit because I didn't articulate myself correctly. So it tricks his body into thinking that it's still in the womb. Huh. Yeah. So there's a, a while he's in my wife's body, he's totally fine because she's supplying everything right, to right. him. Yeah. Right. It's all dependent on the mom. But once he comes out, there's that little hole in the heart that starts to close. It, d- it doesn't fully close up to like two years old. But there's a medication they give to keep that hole open so he doesn't like go into you know, cardiac arrest. Yeah. Right. So he's still still alive. Um, and then, yeah, those first two weeks, he's going to go into surgery. He's going to recover. Hopefully, he's not going to be in the hospital too long. Uh, if all goes well, he'll be back home with my wife in like two weeks, wow. maybe four weeks. We don't know. Uh, so we're planning for the 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 worst case scenario. Yeah. Right. So if he doesn't get in until ten days after birth, and he's there for four weeks, we want to plan for like the better part of six weeks. Yeah. Uh, worth of her. her her and the baby being in Rochester, which is a lot because um, our family is going to be split up for that period of time. Yeah. So I'll be holding down the fort with the other two, and she'll be she'll be in the hospital with our, our little one because he just needs he needs that time with his mom. Yeah. You know. Um, and now, obviously, you know we we probably have some listeners who have gone through, if not this situation, something similar. They or someone they love have gone through some type of health crisis and it raises a lot of theological questions yes. like what what is god doing in the middle of this um, right. why why did god allow this right um you know and to be honest i don't know the answer to that question yeah you know what what i what i do know and what i do trust in is who god is yeah that's that's the the comfort and the solace that that we've we've been able to have, and I think the one, the one thought that's provided us peace, really the only thought that's provided us peace, um, because there's there's a, there's a possibility he he won't live long. There's 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 that possibility. <clears throat> Thankfully, it's not it's not super super likely. Like the surgeon who's doing the surgery, his, this surgery has an eighty five percent success rate. Oh wow, okay. which is really encouraging. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> we have to pre- prepare ourselves for any any scenario. Right. So the one, one thought that's given us peace has been, you know, however much time we have with him, however little, or however much that time was a blessing. It was a gift from God that we didn't deserve, but nevertheless we had, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our hope, and this is what we say all the time as Christians, but it's put to the test in these moments, right? Right. Uh, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in the circumstances of this world, but it's in, in Christ and that he's going to bring renewal of all things. He's going to wipe away every tear. There is a point in time in human history where all things will be made new. And that's, that's what we, that's what we look towards. So, you know, if, if we're banking on our circumstances, um, going the way we want them to, um, I, we're going to find ourselves perpetually disappointed. Um, but I think what God is going to do, um, is far beyond what we can begin to imagine, even through moments like this. And something that my wife and I had talked about too, I said, look, I have to believe, number one, that God is bigger than a heart defect. So, you know, we we trust in that. Um, We also believe that God is a God of miracles. We we do believe that. I don't think that's the story that he's going to tell with us. Not that I don't believe that, 
But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the story God is telling. Right. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, right? He, he prayed for the thorn in his flesh to be taken from him. Um, and God told him no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this process is very humbling for my wife and I. It's it's led to some very fruitful conversations between the two of us, and yeah. it's brought us to our knees in a way that we we we've not really experienced as a couple before. So I have to believe that whatever God has allowed us to go through. Um, he's forming us and he's shaping us. He's building something in us that wouldn't have happened any other way. Yeah. Can, uh, I, can I ask you a question on that? Sure. Are there specific, I've seen in my life with friends and family where circumstances, not to this extreme, right, has caused mm-hmm. even a divide between the husband and the wife. Right. Have you established any practices to avoid that or to bring you guys closer? Is there anything that you could share with people who might be going through that right now with their significant other? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert in that at, at all, but <laughs> um well, I I think I think it starts with whatever circumstance you go through in in a marriage, whatever hardship you face, it's going to reveal the health of your marriage. Mm. Whether it's good, whether it's whether it's not good, right? Um, you know, s- difficult circumstances have a way of revealing the health of those relationships in your life. So, um, I think in those those circumstances don't necessarily create the crisis in the marriage. They just reveal the fact that the marriage has always been unhealthy. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm grateful that you know my wife and I before we got married we had serious conversations about number one faith. Mm. If you know our relationship with Jesus is our number one priority, um, we're not putting either uh, one of us. We're not putting the marriage ahead of our relationship with Christ. Um, this relationship is placed under submission to Christ. So I, I think that's the foundational thing. And I think we, in the church especially, we turn marriage into an idol. We turn family into an idol. Right. Uh, but the problem is those things can be taken away in an instant. Yeah. Like if we made an idol out of our children, like we have a, we have a child who could be taken away at any, at any point. Like, and it's not just, it's not just, you know, our, our son who's going to be born in a few months, any of our kids, none of us are guaranteed. So we're, none of us are guaranteed um, tomorrow. And so I, I think that's, it's just keeping that in perspective. Um, as far as what we're doing right now, it, it's remarkably simple. Like we're, we're just having honest dialogue about how we're feeling. We're, we're choosing to be vulnerable. Um, and I think that's one of the most important things you could do. And I, and I understand that guys, especially like we want to be, we want to be strong. We want to be put together. We want to, you know, be there for, for our, our, our wife and our kids. And, there, and there's a place for that, but allow space for you to show your emotion. You need, you need to do that. Uh, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we both created space for each other to do that. And I think that's what's really helped. Um, and um, and I think the other element is we have a really good support network. Um, you know, both both my family and her family, um, all all are believers. You know, they they all love Jesus, um, and they they're, they they've said like we're going to do whatever we needed to do to support you. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, we said like this is what's happening. We don't know what the future holds, and they say, hey, this is where family comes in. 
this is where we come in to help you. Yeah. So that in the church family, like our, our church has been overwhelmingly supportive and just knowing we have th- those people who are praying for us and kind of in the thick of it with us as best as they can be um, has been, you know, extremely, extremely helpful. Yeah. So, and, and that like, all that shaped how yeah. we respond to it as, as a couple that, and, that, and we're like talking about like, we're not flying by the seat of our pants as to what the plan is right. when he's born. Like we have that because of my wife, not because of me, right. but we have a good we have, strategy going on. We have a strategy going into this um, and it's a strategy for the worst case scenario, not for the best one. Yeah. So. And so if uh, any of you are listeners and go to Mike church, he you can ask for his apology later. He has me filling in one of the Sunday's you, sermons when he's gone. So you just really misspoke there. You said go to Mike church. Oh, yeah, I need more you, coffee. Are you That's what I, need. Now? I that... need. I need more coffee. That's what I need. All right, Mike. I have one last question for you. Yep. Um, besides prayer, is there anything that the listeners or the church could do for you? Um. Well, prayers the, the biggest the biggest thing the biggest thing. Um, I know my wife. My wife has said because she's she's my wife. You know. <laughs> um. Like the best thing the church can do is like, yeah, like if you're if you're a part of our church and you're listening and you're you're in the area, like just having people to come hang out with my kids while I mow the lawn, like that type uh, of thing, yeah, yeah, like really simple things, or just like having like community around me, like that's yeah. that's the biggest thing, because that's what we all need, yeah, right. When we're in moments of crisis, we need we just need the presence of people. Um, Are they too young yeah. to teach them how to do yard work? Never, never, I like never. <laughs> well, if my son, if I let him, he'd mow the lawn with me, you know, like he's just, he's fascinated by the lawnmower. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, obviously my, my wife is like, Hey, like, can you bring him, bring, bring them a meal? Because if, if it's up to me, like what we're doing for dinner, it's going to be a lot of takeout. Yeah. <laughs> right? Lots of macaroni, lots of macaroni, ramen noodles. Mike comes back Bre- on the stage and like, who is this Bre- guy? Breakfast for breakfast for dinner. Thirty pounds later, <laughs> yeah, roll me out yeah, onto yeah, the it's, stage. It's <laughs> going to be like watching uh, Thor in the first Avengers. Compared it's pretty to much, Thor. yeah, basically, it's Mike Lebowski. He, go, he yeah. goes to do baptism. They have to empty the water so it just doesn't overflow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's I guess that's the biggest thing. Um, obviously I know prayer can kind of be this kind of catch all thing that we do. Oh, I'm praying for you. But, but really like actually someone pray. says like, yeah. I am praying for you and they mean it like that's, that's one of the biggest things you could be doing right now. Yeah. Uh, because just a testament to that, like throughout most of this process at the time of this recording, this is about what, six or seven weeks since we found out about this. Um, by and large, we've felt a lot of peace and we can we can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit and to uh, the, the the faithfulness of people who have been praying for us, right? You know, and um, you know we're not you know we're we're not walking through this pretending that it's all fine. We're not we're not glossing over the the, the challenges that are going to come, but we're able to walk through it with the confidence that that God is here with us in it, and uh, and and that. And that is in part, you know, because we've leaned into the Holy Spirit in our own prayer life, but also uh, the, the prayers of others. So that's that's been huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. All 
All right, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. That makes us more visible, helps other people find us, so that's greatly appreciated. Um, also, if you have questions, you have uh, something you want us to talk about on the podcast, you can uh, reach out to us via Facebook or Instagram at the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day.